The following program is a PBS Wisconsin original production. Hi, I'm Angela Fitzgerald, and this is Why Race Matters. Does it really matter where our food comes from? What about who's growing it? Where certain food comes from and who has access to it can make a huge difference towards the health of a community. In this episode of Why Race Matters, we'll chat with Robert Pierce, a farmer who spent most of his life battling food insecurities within the Black community. We'll discuss land ownership, organic foods, racial stereotypes, and more as we explore and dig into why race matters when we talk about food. So thank you for joining me today, Mr. Pierce. Thank you for letting me join you. <laughs> of course. So can you tell us your story and what has brought you into the world of farming? <laughs> if, if that's a simple story to tell. Well, it's not that simple, okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll simplify it. Uh, I uh, came back from Vietnam, became allergic to a lot of stuff that was in food. And uh, at that point, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that uh, I was eating stuff, getting sick, had to go and get the shots from the hospital and stuff like that. So um, I ended up at Madison Business College, and I was going to get into going to the corporate world. And uh, had uh, ate something, got sick, and uh, was trying to finish up this test. And the doctor said, "I went to to the emergency room afterwards." He said, "Don't don't wait like that again." He said, "You know how close you were to death. You just quit, <laughs> quit doing that." You know. And uh, so I was given an assignment to evaluate a business. And so uh, as I was out of this field. Uh, I was watching them put human waste. Well, first of all, the farmer that I was interviewing told me, he says, you know, young man, the body is an amazing thing. And I said, what's, you know, yeah, yeah, what's, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, and I'm listening to him, and he's going, yeah, but don't break down the maple seeds. And I'm going, huh? Wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm going, hmm. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's what <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> He said, hey, look. And I looked out in this field, and there were like all these tomatoes. And he said, uh, yeah, the body don't break down tomato seeds. And all of a sudden, here's this machine that came in and set these these uh, plows into the ground and started tearing at the ground, and they were putting this human waste on fields. Wow. So that was their fertilizer, was human waste. That was what they were using, yes. This was back in 1982, 83. And so uh, I looked at him and I said, you know, man's the most greediest animal on, on the planet. He says, yep. I said, what would stop somebody from taking those tomatoes and collect them and put them in the store? He said, nothing. And he said, how you know they have it? <laughs> so here I am. I mean, I'm already allergic to all this little stuff that I've been eating. And I decided at that point my wife was pregnant at the time with with my uh, first son. And uh, <laughs> I had decided that I was going to grow food, you know. And uh, when I was, as I was doing this, the person I leased this land from, he uh, had 20 acres, 22.5 to be exact. 
And uh, so he said to me, uh, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to grow organic food. And he says, what's that? And I said, I'm growing that food without... That wasn't known at the time? Oh, no, no. I'm going to grow food without poison. And he goes, hmm. He says, all you want is five acres? I said, yep, only five. I'm growing food for my family. So uh, he said, you're in a business college? I said, yeah. He said, don't seem to me like you're thinking. And he went on. Couple of weeks later, he come back out and see what I was doing. Now I have no idea. I've you know grown and picked you know things in our gardens when I was a kid and stuff. And I always helped out you know the elderly people in their gardens and stuff like that. But uh, never the a operation like I was trying to do. You so know? this was a new venture for you, just something you wanted very, to do out of like new. a health need. Yeah, because I wanted to eat healthy. Yes, and so uh, he'd pop up again and go, "What's that you try to do again?" <laughs> <laughs> kept messing with me, you know. I said organics, and he said, oh, "Don't look like me, like you're thinking." So I uh, had a conversation with one of my teachers, and he said, uh, "He told us, you know, he says uh, you're a threat." And I go, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, you think you can think." He says, uh, "They'll take you and lock you up in their office. He said, rape you for all your information and all your." All your stuff, he says, and you'll never make over seventy, eighty thousand a year. He said, "Get out of here, go live your dream." Wow! So he was <laughs> discouraging you from what you really wanted to do. Well, to go and do what I wanted to do with farming and stuff. And yeah. that's because he thought other people would just want to take the approach that you were using, which at the time sounded like it was cutting edge because well, this was, whole organic you know, farming movement wasn't a thing then. No, not for not for African Americans, you know. And so. Uh, I turned around and decided at that point that uh, I was going to quit school and become an organic farmer. So I started half the 40 acres. <laughs> so you started with half of 40 acres? That's what I named it, half the 40 acres. Half the 40 acres. <laughs> gotcha. well, that was your five, your original five. Well, I started with the five. I took on the whole 22.5. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was all organic farming? Yeah, I started doing organic farming there for like 10 years before the... They, DNR bought it from underneath of me. They, I had a lease on it, and uh, they bought it all up and decided they wanted to keep it. And so, after ten years, I was looking for land again. But up until that point, was this still like a family, more of a home venture? Like it wasn't a business in the sense, or at that point had it well, expanded to... You know, I mean, I was in a business, business college, so it's some, you know, I was turned it into a business, yes. Um, I had, you know, taken uh, one or two years of just uh, marketing stuff to people, and uh, I did uh, the old, uh, you know, going to the neighborhoods and taking it to, to people's houses and parking my... Uh, an old raggedy truck on you know on the corners and stuff and you know and go to some somebody's house they say oh so and so down the street wants you to come by there and we did the farmers market down in the square and I was like single parent with with four kids you know four years old two one and three and a half months old oh wow <laughs> they're all of us in the truck you know we're we're selling vegetables <laughs> so uh, at some point you know it's like uh, we decided that uh, well, it wasn't making enough money up at the farmer's market up here, which uh, you know, everybody else was, but I was the only black man up there. <laughs> so they would look at my stuff, but not buy, you know? So it's kind of okay. 
But what was that even like for you in terms of stepping into an industry that maybe, like you said, people didn't easily associate you with the image, right, that's put in front of us of farming. So, like, how did you once come to see yourself as this, but also navigate other people's perceptions of what a farmer was? Well, I've never really cared what people thought about me, you know? I mean, I do what I... <laughs> if I decided it's going to do something, I'd just do it, you know? And, uh, you know, down on the square, they used to name things, you know, because I wasn't... I was... You know, not conventional as as they were. You know, <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> but uh, you know, I just it was something I seen I wanted to do, and uh, I went after it. You know, it's like uh, you know, organic wasn't even heard of at those times. You know, I mean, that was in '83 when I when I decided to do this. You know, and it's like uh, there weren't rules and regulations or any of these different things. You know, it was just a it was a uh, a hope and a dream of something that uh, you know I wanted to do, and uh, I just went at it. You know, I mean, I didn't even <laughs> I bought a tractor, didn't know how to plow, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I asked the guy, the neighbor next door, I asked him to uh, would he plow up my acreage for me, you know? And so he says, "Yeah, at a thousand dollars an acre." I said, "Well." Yeah, I said, a thousand dollars an acre is a little bit more than I want to spend, sir. I said, but tell you what, I says, uh, I'm going to be here. Even if I got to use a roller tiller, I'll be here. And so a friend of mine brought us roller tiller out to the, to the farm and we were tearing the little area so we could test the soil. And <laughs> he looked and he said, my God, he said he was going to use a, a lot more, <laughs> a roller tiller. And so we were worrying you know, over laughing at him because he thought this is what I was going to do, you know. So I bought a tractor, and the guy said, well, I, I'm not going to plow it up for you. He said, but I'll tell you how to do it. Yeah. And uh, so I went out, and I did it. And, you know, and of course, you know, farmers watch each other to see what they're doing, you know. And my lines, you know, and, and oh, Lord, if if you're going to plow, you got to straight lines. My lines were <laughs> looked like a snake. <laughs> Is that because you were still learning, or that was intentional? That was just no, no, your way no, of doing things. I was just learning. Okay. I, you know, I was learning. Yeah, I was trying to get it together. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, yeah, in time, I I did handle it, but uh, it took time, you know, to do this. It wasn't just it was trial and error, you know. So wow. Okay, so you <laughs> literally started off with the goal of five acres and grow food for my family to the 20 plus acres as a to, business as a business yeah. and then it sounds like there was some mixed reception in certain spaces because oh yeah <laughs> you were like the only black farmer selling produce so i guess how did you go from that point of maybe new on the scene newly presenting this type of produce organics that didn't even have like regulations <laughs> or a name for it quite yet to where you are today like how did you well, like what's the summation of like that story arc I mean, I was down on the square because, you know, always it, it was the place to be, you know. I mean, you got your face noticed. I mean, it was, you know, even back then, you know, there were, like, back in the 80s, there were, like, what, uh, 40, 50 of us, you know. And, I mean, people knew who you were, you know, and they got to know who you were by, you know, what you grew. And uh, so uh, I had to keep trying different things because... 
You know, every time that uh, I, I do something, somebody else would do it, and then they buy it from them and stuff like that. Mm. And so you my were thing setting, was, the setting the tone for other people. Oh well, yeah, but I also would uh, I would come back to my to my own roots of going back to South Madison, or to uh, you know farther on the west side where there had a concentration of African Americans. So I always sold to them after going downtown and. Not selling very much down there, but always taking care of my, my people, you know. So, uh, I mean, after all, I'm from Wisconsin, you know, from Madison, so I knew everybody, you know. And, um, you know, after service, you know, I mean, when I, was, when I was a kid, my thing was my grandmother sent me to all these elderly people to help them clean their gardens or pick their vegetables for them and stuff. So I was always in, in someone's garden, so it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't... Unnatural uh, you know, for me to do this, you know. I mean, I always did it, but I also noticed when I got back from the service how the the elderly, their health was uh, depleting, you know. And one of the reasons were we were the first McDonald's in Madison. It was on South Madison. So you and mean I the, mean, the black community had the first McDonald's. Now how the heck could you be the twenty-five cent? cheeseburger come on now and 10 cent fries come on you know what i mean a dollar you could get full that's true <laughs> and they had stopped eating and growing you know stopped they stopped growing food and stopped uh uh you know uh cooking meals and stuff because they could always spend a you know dollar and feed the you know five dollars gonna feed the whole family you know <laughs> you know quick you know and so uh i noticed their health you know started to deplete and uh, so when I took on this venture, it was one of the things I seen, you know, that their health and, you know, was depleting. They weren't eating like uh, we were when we grew up, you know. So uh, that's why I started, you know, doing the ethnic greens and, you know, stuff like that, you know, to make sure that they, they were getting the things that, you know, that we knew, you know, that uh, we grew up with. So even though there may have been access from someone like you, sure. it's like, what do I do with this thing that's not prepackaged or yeah. canned or whatever? Wow. And seeing, you know, young kids that are, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old and can't tell you the difference between a tomato or a potato. You know, they're not so, used to seeing real food. Right. Wow. Yeah. But they could tell you everything at McDonald's. <laughs> because that's what they were familiar oh, yeah. with. That was a real food to them. So, you know, we've seeing so many different aspects of what, you know, what the, the system has done for, with the food, you know, here that it's unbelievable, you know. Um, Madison, South Madison has always been a food insecure area. You know, it's like uh, one of the reasons why my uh, farmer's market's there is because that uh, the certain organizations, you know, University Extension, uh, Project for uh, Hunger and a few other organizations understood that there was a need for fresh food to be on South Madison. So they put together a farmer's market that lasted a, a year. And then uh, the second year, they asked if I would take it over to become market manager. And uh, now at this time, I was... I was bouncing around, putting stands all over, you know, I had stands on the west side, on the south side, wherever I could put a stand, hiring people to, to work stands, you know, and sell the corn and, and the watermelons and stuff. 
And so I said, well, you know, it makes sense to, you know, I had quit down on the square because I wasn't making any money down there. I just said, forget that. That's a waste of my time, you know. So uh, the last straw was that was. <laughs> I said, I grew up in blue potatoes. And uh, here was the guy that, now we're getting all this publicity about the farmer's market being the largest farmer's market in the country. And there was a guy from the Chicago Tribune that came by. And he never said who the guy was. He just said, there's a guy at the Madison Farmer's Market that grows blue potatoes. We had this rash amount of people that came and they looked at my blue potatoes, but they wouldn't buy them. Because you were the one that was selling them. Right. But they looked at them. They wanted to buy one or two of them, you know. And I'm having, you know, I've got, you know, piles of them, but they wanted to buy one or two of them to show somebody, you know. And it's like, <sighs> and the next year, the young guy that was next to me, he started growing blue potatoes. And they bought out. He sold out. He was still, he was buying them for me and selling them, you know. Wow. Because he sold he. He already sold his out. And he probably noticed that people weren't buying from you, so he wanted to well, capitalize. Oh. Yeah. So that was the last rise. I don't need this, you know. I mean, right before my face, that type of racism, you know. Right. And so I just said, nah, enough of that. And so uh, uh, <laughs> University of Central called me in, and uh <laughs> man by Mr. Cunningham decided, he said, uh, well, he says, uh, you just sit here at the farmer's market. And I go, what? <laughs> I said, what a farmer's market, he said. Was that always like your plan to basically have your own farmer's market? No, it no? wasn't. Okay. I, was, I was looking at running about 10 stands in different areas and, you know, stuff like that. So he said, uh, well, he says, if you don't take this, it's going to go by. He says, because uh, he says, you know, they need, the, they need a farmer's market. He said, you're from Madison, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, did you grow up over there? I said, yeah. He says, well, you know all those people. He says, so if you don't run this farmer's market, Robert, there it's going to go. One. There won't be one. So I said, oh, okay. So now he says, now you're the, you have complete ownership of a farmer's market. <laughs> like, so okay. I said, and it sounds like there's essentially like putting that responsibility on you. Oh, yeah, he did. He told me right away that, you know, it's on me. Right. Because you belong to that community. You clearly have a passion for the work the farmer's market does. You're probably like, OK, even if that wasn't initially well, wasn't like seen plan, as your lane. But it, it was, yeah, it was stressing upon me. <laughs> so I, I took it on. And at one time we had over 37 vendors. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, we had 37 vendors until they found out who owned it. <laughs> so were these vendors, you think, also those who maybe did not have great experiences at other farmers markets and saw themselves as being better able to no, We were We've always been a farmers market that taught people how to vend. Um, I, uh, we were, at one point, uh, my market had, had, was picked by project for public spaces as uh, one of their projects and uh, it taught us a whole lot of different things on how to run markets. We were sent out to California looking at the markets and stuff so it gave me an idea of what market's really about. That's not a market down there. That's tourism. Mm. Okay, A real farmer's market is, is about food. This is not, you know, the entertainment and all the other stuff comes along with it but 
that is total entertainment. You know, that's farm. That the, uh, you know, that is not what a farmer's market is really about. Mm, so you said real farmer's market is about food. Oh yeah, it's about food. And it's about community. You know, I mean, most of the people that come to our market is our community, but yet other you know, people, you know, seem to use uh, come by. They they see it as a uh, as a place where there's food, but yet there's a uh, uh, that friendliness that is like a family type thing. You know that uh, you know, you're part of this, this group here. That's you know that's we're growing food for you, and you know we're doing the best we can to give you good food. And people understand that. And when they taste it and deal with that, they always come back for more. Right. Absolutely. So, and then now that we have this pandemic, we can't, people <laughs> stay around and hang out and talk and stuff. Right. So we can't do this, those things anymore. But, you know, right now, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, more of a, uh, of a gathering place, you know? I mean, of course, downtown, you can walk around in a circle and get dizzy. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> that was honestly one of my first stops when I moved here because I'd heard so much. And it was just interesting to me just to see, like, the culture, how even, like, literally everyone was walking the same direction. Yeah. I was like, why doesn't someone just go the opposite way? Like, why I is... I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> it just was puzzling to me, like, why is every... Like, there are these unspoken rules. I was just like, this is fascinating. They would tell you, they would go, hey, hey, you're going the wrong way. It's just... No, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> of course I messed with them. <laughs> they messed with me. <laughs> so how many years ago was it that you were basically like handed over your own farmer's market on the South Side? 2001. Okay, so... I've been there 19 years. Two decades ago. Yeah. And so tell me about how the work has expanded since then. Because you have your farmer's market that you still run. Yeah. Then there's other offshoots, too, that speak to the importance of the work well, in farming. About five years ago, six years ago, um, I worked with university and University Extension and all those different people. And uh, one of the uh, professors wanted to have a project. Uh, there's been quite a few projects done with South Madison. We wanted to find out, uh, you know, the difference of why people were buying food and from uh, markets rather than we have a store that's, you know, a couple thousand feet away from the, the market. And That's a question. Uh, so uh, they ran different, uh, you know, projects where they would talk to people and see and find out why, you know, and it was because of freshness and... Uh, of uh, you know, just being able to have that where they can talk to where you know who's growing that food, you know, and why they're growing it and stuff like that, rather than you know going into the store and seeing it all there, and not knowing where it came from or how how far it came to get to there or how long it's been in the like in the cooler. Yeah, and... so those were some some of the things they found out, and then uh, um, they wanted wanted to know how could they help me. And uh, we also work with Slow Food for uh, Madison or you know UW here. They buy foods for their pro you know for the programs and stuff that they do. And uh, so uh, they uh, wanted to know what they could do. So we wanted we put together a, a project where uh, I wanted to see if I could help with uh, the problem of 
warehousing, recycling African Americans in these cells. Mm, so you're talking about the prison industrial complex? Of course, warehousing. <laughs> that's what it's called, you right? You said warehouse. At first I thought food was being warehoused. I was like, I don't think that's what he's talking about. So people being warehoused. You have to realize, you know, that, you know, it's, you know food is insecure. Insecure it could be, it could be hunger, but it also could be, you know, being, uh, not have enough money to be able to, you know, to, to be able to support having good food. And some of those things that comes up with, you know, uh, unemployment, you know, health, uh, you know, <laughs> you know where you live, you know, you know, and most definitely having having that label felon, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that will get you every time because I mean they look, oop, here you go, you know. And it sounds like UW Extension too <laughs> was trying to, in their minds, there's a connection between the farming work that you do, and also the issue of, we'll say, black men in particular. Well, being overly incarcerated. Yeah, you know. Well, we put together uh worked with a uh a one of the teachers, TAs, and uh we put together uh, neighborhood food solutions. Neighborhood food solutions, okay. yes. And what it involved was uh, taking and uh the class helped me put together uh, uh you know, we started working with Nehemiah. And uh, we were trying to, to find where we could find people who were getting out of uh, prisons or had a felon and couldn't get jobs. We were trying to find a way of teaching them how to farm and teaching them how to do uh, spreadsheets and stuff like that to be able to create a small business. And uh, we did that for a few years. And so got to a point where it did take off the ground. We had... Uh, like I said, this this is the third year. Year, the first year we did five people, and uh, four of those made it to completion. Wow! And then that's uh, a good year, attrition rate. Oh yeah, but the second year was like kind of hard. They were in and out, so many problems with the the POs and all these other different things, you know, which is always a variable when people when they you know felon when a felon or people that are on probation parole. Uh, they're, the problem when they're called in to say, hey, you've got to get here, they've got to take off work or whatever they're doing. Right, drop show everything. Up, drop it and let's go. You know, it's a whole other world. These people have more control over them, you know, than, uh, you know, than most people, you know. And uh, so um, a couple of them went back to prison and, you know, other things. But uh, uh, two people made it through that this year here. We had, uh, we're working with Mom, which is just Dane now. And uh, uh, what happened with those were a couple of people didn't make it, and then uh, two did make it to the very end, and they're coming back next year to run their businesses. So it's going to be nice to see that happen, you know. So the, there was success in doing this. Yeah, so. so it's not only an introduction of farming, but to the small business side of well, yeah, you know, uh, generating income. I got to, you know, there's a thing that, oh, don't go to soft mass and farmer's market because uh, Robert's hard to deal with. 
And, uh, Say because you're hard to deal with? Yeah, I'm hard to deal with. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, in yeah. what ways? I don't know, but that's <laughs> that, I hear that. Okay. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Uh, no, you know, so we do have some people that, you know, sign up and come and, and you know, they're for one or two days, you know, and then next thing you know, they're gone. You know, they don't show back up and they claim they don't make enough money. And uh, all these other poor people don't have money. Well, poor people eat just like rich people. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. Sometimes, uh, you know, they spend their money, you know, on food, but they, you know, when they could spend it on, they can't spend it for something else, you know. So, you know, it's out of survival, you know, they eat, you know. And uh, so. Do you have people that graduated from the program you mentioned that bend at your farmer's market as well? They're going to be. That's what's happening for next year, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, we we had a couple that, uh, you know, it was really hard for them to make decisions, you know, because they had other. We had other jobs, and uh, the other jobs are really, uh, you know, I mean, paid for your schooling and all these other things. I mean, you can't beat that. I would have quit and went back, too. <laughs> so that sounds like part of the challenge of being in the farming industry is that there's there's competition, maybe. Well, you have to realize we just don't have the access to land like they do, you know? Um Myself, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for uh, for uh, people who I deal with right now, which is Groundswell Conservatory, you know, uh, I'd still be out here scraping for land. I've never had, you know, they've never given me a loan to buy land once. I had got to a point where I was going to be able to buy land, and this land that they were going to sell me, <laughs> it was surrounded by streams. That's not a good thing. And it was a wetland. Oh. And so in order to in order to cross a stream, you have to deal with DNR because you can't build something over that stream or you know, shape it in any way form because it's natural. So it was like, Well, if I buy this land, I'm landlocked. <laughs> There's no way of being able to make any infrastructure on this. So and I have created so many people's land for organic. It's like, man, I'm tired of getting used. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you know, have you out there for five years. See, within five years, they can be able to say this land was, had no poisons put on it, so they can be able to call it organic. Right, and which then, then comes, and, I'm sure, to higher and they, price. And everybody knows that's what I do. So if you got me on your land, well, Robert was here. <laughs> that's a selling point in a way that benefits the, the owners yeah, of the me. land Benefit more than me. you. All so right? historically, do you think that's been the biggest barrier or, or thing that's which impeded? One? Well, the land part, the access to land part, which has a you know financial piece to it well, in terms yeah. of black farmers and why they're so underrepresented. Well, I think, yeah, I think that that's, Having access to land is, is probably number one. And then the uh, other part of that is, would probably be uh, education. You Which know, sounds like has a lot of pieces to it, including like just well, how yeah, to you run. Need and- to, you know, you need to identify what you want to do. And then, you know, that's what the part you need to work at. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I grew so many things in the beginning. Just figuring it out. Oh yeah, seeing what was good, what wasn't, you know, and you know, my idea was to grow something for every nationality, so you couldn't. I, 
you couldn't say I was prejudiced. You could say, well, I want such and so-and-so. Robert's got it, <laughs> you know. And I did that. I grew everything so that I could be able to, you know, I could be able to give any, anybody at any time something they needed. And so at the point, I just said, it's not worth it. Because mm, you're overextending yourself by doing that, I'm Very assuming. Very much, yes. You yeah. Know? Yep. So I had to bring things down. So basically, I still grow a lot of stuff. What would you say your focused efforts are now centered on? In terms of what you grow? Well, if that's not giving off any trade secrets, I don't want you to well, no, I mean, basically, put yourself my, out there in a bad my way. My main thing right now is teaching African-Americans. I, I really want to teach young black kids that this is... You need to learn how to access land, grow food. Those two things are power. If you can, if you have your own land and you can supply your own food, you have power. You know, then you can also do the economic part of that of being able to sell it, make money. You know, so yes, I mean, we have a job to do. Those are more important to me than uh, the other stuff that I do. So what's the name of your program that is focused on youth and getting them at least Pete. interested? Pete, Pete program. And what does Pete stand for? And it stands an acronym. For program for uh, entrepreneurial and agricultural trading. Very nice. And so what age ranges can Pete well, right support? Right now we're working with uh, uh, for the, a organization. Um, and we're using kids from the ages of 14 up to. 14 up and uh, you know that's uh, interesting <laughs> <laughs> 14 year olds are interesting Sorry, no, they're very interesting <laughs> in Commonwealth development we work with, with them with Commonwealth and they're the ones who send these kids to us you know and then uh, we deal with them <laughs> but what's the response too of these youth who maybe they've never even met a farmer much less well, a black do, farmer they, it's under, you know I'll tell you they they actually get into it you know I mean at, some, at one point we used to try to change their eating habits once you've, we've done that you know we've actually have uh, have had kids that uh, have changed their whole eating habits behind you know, by growing food for themselves, you know, and seeing the difference in taste and stuff. And uh, really happy that, you know, that was in the beginning. Now it's where they're still learning how to grow stuff. And we're doing different lesson po points with them and stuff. But they don't know. Right now, this year here was the first year that we're able to get them back into doing, uh, you know, working at farmer's markets and stuff like that. So they're... We're using two of them every Sunday at the markets so until the end of the end of the month here. So, so I'm sure that adds to the enthusiasm for them, the opportunity to make money off of what they're well, growing. Well, for them, yes, it's uh, definitely the opportunity to make money. Yes, you know, and uh, they understand that you know that uh, they're there to work and understand that uh, they're here to also learn about food. And we say, you know, they actually, uh, I think they are learning something about it. You know that it. It's something that uh, it's essential, and the better the food, you know, the better it's for them. So we stress that also. So they're learning certain things out of it, you know. And that's such an important lesson. Oh yeah, right. Like it's we well, don't always think about that. Like we may assume that if we're getting, you know, if we're eating like the quote unquote right things, not really 
knowing about or caring about where it's from that we're doing a good job. And I think at a baseline we are, but if we have the opportunity to take it up a notch and really focus on what are the chemicals and things that are going into our foods, because that's going into our bodies ultimately, like that's going to benefit our health. So the fact that that's clicking for them, it sounds like is a great thing. I remember uh, we had one young lady that uh, she uh, interviewed, I interviewed these kids, so, you know, so that in the beginning we used to interview them and uh, one young lady, uh, she had, <laughs> told me that uh, she grew a tomato, and it was the prettiest tomato she ever seen. Oh, she was proud of herself. Oh, yeah, but she wouldn't eat it. Why? Because she had invested in making it, or? Because it came from on the ground, and she didn't, it didn't come from a store. So she didn't trust the... She didn't That is like interesting. It. <laughs> because it came from the ground, and she didn't know, you know... What was it in it? Just wasn't... Used to buying, you know, growing something, everything had to come from the store. So I looked at her and I said, you're in the program. <laughs> so I asked her, I said, is there any other problem I'm going to have out of you? <laughs> and she said, yeah, one other problem. I said, what's that? She says, well, if it rains, my hair gets wet. We got a problem. <laughs> I laughed at her, right? She's like, we need to be mindful of the and, weather when I'm, you know, well, out here farming. Yeah, well, this is true. But uh, she had, had got to a point that uh, her mother worked in my fields and stuff as, as a child, too. And so she got to a point that she uh, she go to the store. She said, Mr. Pierce says, if you can't read, if you can't understand what's in the food, don't buy it. So she would read all the, you know, all the ingredients <laughs> and put stuff back. So her mother came by one day. She said, Robert, what did you do to my daughter? And I go... <laughs> nothing to her. She said, we can't go to the store without her. She reads all the labels to make sure that we get the best. And I said, well, I'm doing my job. Huh? She says, yeah, just keep keep, you know, keep doing that. And how old is she? <laughs> now? Oh, she's 21 or 22. I mean, eh, at the older. time when she started annoying her she mother was, at the grocery she store. She was 15, 16 at the time. That's excellent for her to even understand that that's important to do, right? Like that's oh, yeah. not yeah. all teenagers do that. So oh, the fact yeah. that you're shifting yeah. your mentality around what you put in your body matters. And yes, uh, that was one we took away from McDonald's one day, one bite at a time. <laughs> I mean, that's something, right? It's a start. Oh, yeah. It's a start. Well, what so, do you want? I'm thinking about people that are watching our conversation and are hearing about the work that you do and even some of the challenges that other black people in the farming industry face. I guess, what do you want people to take away from this conversation with all the different points that you've raised? Well, it's, it's hardly good. I mean, these days, if you're going to eat organic or either eat good food, you need to grow it because otherwise you can't afford it. I was going to say, what do you suggest for people who like find there's a desire, but finances are very real barriers. So like, and maybe they don't have the land to grow. So what do you suggest if they're trying to be intentional about eating well, but don't feel like their finances will allow them to? Well, usually your farmer's markets are some of the places to start, you know, because there are people out there that are, you know, they're, they're about growing good food. And uh, even if you some of that stuff that they're using with poisons, it's still fresher and better than what you're getting out of the stores sometimes. So 
I'd like to see where we start teaching ourselves, you know, that, uh, you know, that we need to start working and working together as a group. You know, we should be able to come together as a group and become self-sufficient. Stop getting help that, you know, which is real help from other groups. You know, we can help ourselves. So really generating community around how do we support one another's food needs. And one of those things is food, yeah. number one. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So that's what you ask. That's what you can get out of me. Like, this is what I want you to know. <laughs> that the importance of community, especially as it relates to access to healthy food. Yes. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> food is essential. And race does matter when you talk about it. The option to grow your own food is not a given for every community. Systemic factors such as land ownership, wealth, and location play a role in limited healthy food options for people of color, which then can lead to long-term health issues that spread across generations, proving that race does matter when we talk about food. For more info on why race matters and to hear and watch other episodes, visit us online at pbswisconsin.org slash whyracematters. Funding for Why Race Matters is provided by Huna Mutual Group, Park Bank, Alliant Energy, Madison Museum of Contemporary Art, Focus Fund for Wisconsin Programming, and Friends of PBS Wisconsin.